Bibles to Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. I got to read this quickly, and then I want to try to share with you a truth that God shared with me numbers of years ago, but put it in a little bit different place, in a little different way. As I read through the Bible this year, of course, this popped out to me again. Genesis chapter 20, 1 through 7. Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and journeyed in Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, now, man, I wouldn't try this. This don't work out too well. She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, assent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in the dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a dead man. I would like to have that nightmare. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Tells you what God thinks about that, by the way. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou also slay a righteous nation? You learn also that the consummation means something to God. And in verse 5, said he not unto her, she is my sister? And she even, I want you to underline that, girls. She even herself said, He's my brother. And did not tell this poor guy Abimelech a simple sentence. I'm married. Abraham was worried about his neck. Now, I've had that trouble my whole life. I have married such a beautiful woman that everybody's been trying to kill me for her. Every time I go out on 41, somebody tries to kill me out there. And I figure it's for Kathy. But I'm telling you what, this girl, when I get to heaven, I know she's going to lose this, but she already lost her body in this world. But I would just like to have a glance at Sarah. Some, we're talking about a woman who was clothed except for her face and her hands. And whatever they saw, they went, well, I think I'll kill her husband and take her as my wife. That was Abraham's fear. Now remember, he's called the father of all that believe. He's a man of faith, and yet he's fearing for his life that somehow God's not going to take care of him in this one area. You know what I mean? So you may be strong in, in an area and then weak in, in, in a very, you know, that's not the message, but <clears throat> he's my brother. And so she lies. And that is a lie. Half, my mother said, half truth is a lie. Half truth is a whole lie. Integrity of my heart. But here, so he said, she said this, he is my brother, and the integrity of my heart and the innocence in my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, and this is the key verse right here. Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also, and this is the, this is the theme of it all, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. 
Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. <clears throat> I held you back from touching her. Now therefore restore the man his wife. He is a prophet. He may pray for thee that thou shalt live and that restore not. Know that thou shalt surely die. Thou and all that are thine. That means his whole house, everybody related to him. That was big. Now what am I going to talk about for 25 minutes on that one passage? Well, I'm going to tell you, I could do more, but I'll, I'll not. Jesus, and the disciples come up to Jesus, and they say, would you teach us to pray? I think that was a great question. Wouldn't you like Jesus himself to teach you to pray? I bet if you didn't know the Bible, and I said, now Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and you would go, can I learn how to pray like Jesus taught his disciples? You can. I'm glad you came today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's it. You say, Jesus, the author of prayer, the absolute authority of prayer, taught his disciples, that's the what they call the model prayer. Uh, first of all, what do you notice about that prayer? Short. What did you notice about the wedding yesterday? Short. They're still married. It's like the guy that goes and gets a C in college. His diploma looks just like the A student diploma. You can do a wedding an hour and a half, or you can do a wedding in a half hour, but either way, they're married, amen? I'm, I'm, you guys are dead as a doornail today. I mean, you are really, you are comatose. Let's spread the coffee out here. Okay, I'm good with it. Jesus, specifically, in teaching his disciples to pray, prays a phrase, and I, and I, and, and I, I taught on it, deliver us from evil. He tells us to pray to him and ask him, the Father, deliver us from evil. That must mean it's important. And we said, amen. There's a threat of evil against us right now, right today. The Bible says in the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving and marrying. In other words, they were living life like normal till the rains came and the floods took them all away. Don't live a life just because things are going smoothly and don't seem to have any trouble. Um, that There's not a threat. There is an imminent threat against you as a born-again believer. You say, that is just your opinion, preacher. Well, let me say, this is what the Bible says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you've been around cats, and you've ever seen a cat get, her, get its eyes on its prey, one thing you're going to notice about that cat is focused. Do anything you want around that cat, them eyes don't move. What, you don't want the devil, he's walking around. The, the picture is the devil's walking around saying, Irvine, maybe I can take Irvine down. No, 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 Nick. No, 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 no. We'll go and we'll work on no, no. And he sets it. You don't want the devil and the demons of, of, of the world to set their eyes on you and say, I want to take that person down. 
and, and be challenged, which we know happens in the case of Micaiah and, and all of that. We know that they get challenged and they go after somebody and say, let me do it. I'll put a, I'll put a, I'll put a lie in all the mouths of the prophets and I'll convince the king. To, and you, you know, you learn something from that. There's, there's a war going on, folks. What the Bible says is we're to resist him and steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished by their brethren that are in the world. In other words, this has been going on for a while. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly the ravening wolves. Matthew 10, 17, Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the consuls, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. Philippians 3, 2, Beware of dogs. I've said that for years. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Colossians 2.8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or the vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. In Peter it says, Beware lest you also being led away of the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. There is a, and there are other warnings over and over and over. We as Christians, there's, I, I get no Christian sometimes, oh, God will protect me. I don't have to worry about that. Brother, the Bible says we are to be part of the part of the cure of it all, part of the safety of it all, by being frosty about it, by having our attention that you get up every morning and there's an adversary out there against you and against your family. That makes it a little bit more serious, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. There's a real potential that a Christian, when they become a born-again Christian, can fail. I didn't say that when they're truly born again and the Holy Spirit comes in and births them, puts them in the family of God in their name in the Lamb's book of life, I didn't say that they're going to do something to cause them not to go to heaven. But what I'm going to say is the devil himself can, can hinder the kingdom of God here on earth by your unwillingness to follow God and by your seeming hypocriticalness that can happen because if he trips you up and causes you to sin and compromise your family or compromise your testimony at work, then he can, he can hinder literally the kingdom of God through you. That's why he's after you. It's real. You've seen it with your own eyes. The question is this morning, how will you end well and not as so many Christians have not ended well? What will be the difference? Well, the Bible tells us how God determines who to deliver and who, listen, get this, and who he allows to fall. Exodus chapter 23, verse 22 says this, But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thy enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. How many would like that? How many would like God to be an adversary to your adversaries? I want it, and an enemy of my enemies. David says over and over again in the psalm, let not mine enemies triumph over me. There are enemies out there, visible and invisible, spiritual and physical, that are being used to try to, as a born-again Christian, to try to hinder you from standing up for the kingdom of God in this little thing we call life. How will you end in this? Will you be able to stand before God and he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, what I'm trying to say, I guess, this morning is there's a formula for success in the Bible. And there's a formula for failure. Success or failure in a Christian life has more to do with what is hidden 
than what is visible. Kind of like an iceberg, amen? They say, you look at an iceberg, a picture of an iceberg, and most of the iceberg, and it can be huge, big as this room. There can be ice above the water, big as this room. But I can tell you that what's underwater is at least two-thirds bigger. Isn't that true with a real, with a life? You see Bill Lytell, and you see the, just the tip, just the tip of the iceberg, the visible part. But most of my life is done in secret, as is your life. But what part does God see? He sees the secret parts, and he sees the daily parts, right? So it makes sense to me that a Christian, uh, the success of a Christian has more to do with the, the hidden part than with the visible part. It's not that the visible part has no importance. No, no, it has importance. But it often does not have the greater importance in your success at the end of this thing called life as a Christian. This is often opposite of our thinking because we value so much of what we see and we're not impressed too much of what we don't see. We're impressed as humans more with the outward appearance than with, with the inward what is unseen. Is that not true? The Bible says it's so. In 1 Samuel 16, 17, uh, the, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not unto his countenance or the height of his stature when choosing a king, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. That's a principle. For man looketh on the outward appearance. That's a principle. And the Lord looketh on the heart. So you say, well, Brother Bill, I always care more about what's in. The truth is God says what, what, who we are and what we are. God, man is visual and visible oriented. God over here is looking on the invisible. He cares about what you are when there's no one else there but you. When if you did something wrong, nobody would ever know it but him. That's who he's looking for. What's funny is, we as people, we, we, we're over here on the visible part. And, and uh, consequently, we struggle with those two. But it's so important that we understand them. Because in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17, it talks about God where it says, if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now that doesn't mean like, like that kind of fear, but reverence that this is a serious thing we call life that God has given us here this morning. John chapter 7, New Testament by the way, uh, verse 24 says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That's Jesus' words. So as humans normally, we're impressed with how a person carries himself or herself. We are impressed with how pleasant a person is to look upon, like in the case of Abimelech here with Sarah's uh, sister. And he picked her up. Um, uh, we're, we're concerned with, with, with how pleasant a voice is or how pleasing to the ear it is when someone speaks or, or the dress that they wear. We're overly impressed with sometimes the externals, right? The speech, the grammar, the laugh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you know I've seen churches get messed up because of that. Because they judge on the outside and not on the end. And I understand we struggle with looking on the end, don't we? But they judged, they saw a man that candidated for their church. He appeared to be a leader. What does a leader appear to be? Look through our presidents, all kinds of people. 
tall, short, mustache, beard, you know, all kinds of different people through our presidents. But there is such a thing generally that people say, well, that man looks like a leader. Uh, they, judge, they judge shallow. And, and they look on the speech and whether he, he has a sense of humor. And often they can miss God's man. Remember, God loves to send to us the unexpected, the unusual, the different sounding, and the different looking. If you read through the Bible, it's absolutely that way. God loves to use the odd, so all of you qualify. Hello. God loves to use the odd. I can't go any further because i got a message coming on that. Jeremiah, the ultimate success or failure of your life will mostly depend on what happens where nobody can see. Jeremiah chapter 23, 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? How ludicrous it is and how small your opinion is of God if you think he can't see through the dark. Why is most crime done at night? Why is most crime... And wickedness done, tried, they tried to hide. They tried to go to a remote place. They tried to go to a, a place not traveled by others to escape the eye. Why? They think they can get away with it. If you understood who God is and where he is, you would say, I can't run anywhere. He's not there. If I go to heaven, he's there. If I go to hell, he's there. If I take the wings of morning, the uttermost part, part of the sea, even there shall he find me in his right hand. I mean, where were you going to go? You're going to find God. That will transform your sanctification. It will transform your walk with God. And you know what it'll do? It'll put you in a position and he'll bless the literal socks off of you. I'm not talking about giving you a new Harley. I'm not talking about him giving you a new this or new that. I'm talking about having peace. How about that? You can't buy peace. How about having a good night's sleep? Ooh, you can't buy that. He's there to help you, and he will help you. Boy, Jesus made it clear. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 4, verse 6 and verse 18, three different times he says, Listen, when you, when you give, do it in secret. When you pray, do it for the most part, do it in secret. When you fast, do it in secret. Why? For, for he said, the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Three times that phrase is used in those three verses. The Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Now, you're not obeying God to get a reward. You're obeying God because it's the right thing to do, and it'll please him. I, can't, I come here on Saturday nights and pray, and, and last night I just had a specially good time. But I got into this deal where I just wanted to talk to you. I said, oh, God, I just want to make you happy. I just want to delight you. When I walk, I just want you, when, when I walk up for you to smile, wouldn't that be great? It, when he heard Irvine's name, he just smiled. He heard Brother Mike Tomorrow's name, he just smiled. Not that you hear a name and go, oh boy, he's a real problem child. Yeah. 
God says, when you obey me, when you do my will, whether it be praying or whether it be giving or whether it be fasting or whatever, don't do it for the praise of, outward praise of man. Don't do it to be called a big shot. Or don't do it to be called uh, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, something that will exalt your ego. Do it because it's the right thing to do. And do it with all your heart. And do it in secret as much as possible. And when you do that, he says, I'll guarantee you I'll be there. I will see it, and I will reward thee. God is a debtor to no man in this room. God is going to be there for you. Three times that statement. So God judges what he sees on the inside. He determines who you are by what? By what you think, by your thought life, that's big, by what you intend to do, and by what you meditate on in secret. Let me go back over that. By your thought life, by your intentions, and by your meditations. Now this is the scary part about this whole thing. Have you ever thought something that was so horrible you were ashamed of yourself? All you righteous people in this room. I'm going to repeat that on this side. Maybe I'll do better. Have you ever thought anything so horrible you'd just be ashamed if it ever got public? Man, that's scary just to think about that whole deal right there. That's just scary to think about that. Well, I'm going to read some. will make you even get a little bit more scared. Take your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verse 3. Luke chapter 12, verse 3. This, this will get you thinking. Jesus said, Jesus' words, Therefore, whosoever ye shall... Let me try it again. Let me run by that one once more. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in their ear in the closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. I can tell you this, that puts chills up and down my spine. Have you ever spoken anything about somebody? You just shook your hand, said, hi, how you doing? And they got away from you and you said something, that old geezer. You ever say, I was being kind, by the way, in that little comment there. Uh, but surely none of you would do that. You ladies go up to each other so sweet and say, hey, how you doing today? Yeah, I bet she, you know. We're bad, I'm telling you, without Christ, man, we're a mess. God wants you to make, he wants to make you pure. And I'm saying inside out. He's looking for you to be pure inside out. This teaching is consistent with the New and Old Testaments, what, I, what you read there in Luke. Moses, <coughs> excuse me, Moses was the meekest of all men. Do you agree? The Bible says it. This was primarily on the inside, not the outside. Meekness is something you really almost can't see. It does manifest itself, but most of it you don't see like the iceberg. God raised up Moses because of what he saw in Moses. He saw something in Moses that he liked. But it was on the inside. David, called in the Bible, both New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Acts, he was a man after God's own heart. 
Well, God must have saw something about David I don't see. But he sees something in David he likes, primarily on the inside, like the iceberg, more on the inside than on the outside. Uh, how about Abraham? Abraham believed God was called, the Bible says, a friend of God. A friend of God. How can you be called by God? He's my friend. Well, Abraham, most of you women would have, would have rude the day you ever married that boy. Lied about his woman, put her in jeopardy to save his own skin. What nobility is that? There ain't no nobility in that. We call him a coward. But God saw something under all of that that was way bigger than what he saw on the top side. He saw something about Abraham that he liked, but it was primarily on the inside. How about Enoch? I didn't know Enoch. He lived a while ago. But what he, the Bible says uh, Enoch walked with God and God took him for, and God took him. I should just stop here because I think that's where the first stops. Enoch walked with God and God took him. He raptured him. He's the first guy to ever get raptured. He didn't have to die. He skipped death, got raptured. That's why they believe he's one of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation and eventually die because the appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment. And according to many theologians, every man has to die. And so God's going to arrange the couple that didn't, too, later on, as he witnessed. Maybe so. I don't know. That was free. I'm going to tell you now, Abraham, my wife, if I, if I went to a group of people and I said, uh, is this your wife? And they said, is this your wife? And I say, no, no, that's my sister. And allowed them to take her. And I had coached her. Hey, when they ask you about who you are, I'm your brother, you're my sister, and you know, don't endanger my life. Somehow I would think her reaction to me, my wife's not maybe as spiritual as Sarah. That's some marriage problems right there, brother, lying about your woman, endangering her, 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 her uh, virginious, by the way is the real word, virginious attitude and life, her innocency. Oh, I mean, but God saw something, oh, Abraham. He saw something on Enoch. He saw something about the apostle Paul, who, by the way, listen to what he says about himself, 1 Timothy 1.13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, and I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. What amounts to is you saw the Apostle Paul jerking people into jail and having them killed for Christianity, uh, and you judged Paul as one of the worst people ever could possibly be, and he judged himself that way. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. In Ephesians, he says, I'm less than the least of all the apostles, of all the Christians. I'm less than the least of them. I'm at the bottom of the heap. But what do we speak about Paul? We say he's the greatest Christian ever walked the face of the earth. That's what I hear Christians say about him. But God saw something on the inside of Paul and under the surface and in the secret areas that he liked, that was virtuous, that was right. Let me tell you, there's nobody getting away with anything. What you think 
in private, what you intend in private, what you meditate on eventually becomes what you speak. That is who you are, and that's the part that God is really looking at. Think about Peter. Ooh, we look at Peter. Peter, man. Peter, James, John. Peter, James, John. Always Peter. Peter was the... He was the leader of the 12. Uh, but God saw something about Peter that nobody else, no other executive in that whole time would have seen. He was fishing. He's a fisherman. There's no much about fishermen. I got a feeling Peter was had very, very little education. How do I know? He wrote two books called First Peter, Second Peter. It's some of the worst Greek. He made words up. He was horrible at grammar. But God used him. You mean God can use somebody to say, ain't done did it? Yeah, he'll use people to say, I ain't done did it. If he sees what's under the surface is real, honest, has integrity, that honestly you want to do the will of God, and honestly you have trusted Christ with all your heart, and honestly you want to seek Him and His way and the Word of God. And if honestly you're grieved about your own sins, and if honestly you judge yourself, the Bible says you'll not be judged. And God sees what's in secret, and He rewards you openly. And here, here's the bottom line to the whole sermon. He delivers you from evil. I'm only here today as pastor of Gospel Baptist at 65 years old because I've been delivered from evil. That's the only reason I'm here. I don't have the power to, to make it. God has to give me the ability to survive. The only reason old Smitty's sitting over there haven't been on the bus board so many years is because there's something that God looks at Smitty that we don't see that he likes. And he says, Smitty, I'll protect you from evil. The only reason we see a 70-year-old bus captain uh, sitting in front of me is not because he's so virtuous, but because God sees something in him that we don't see and says, I like that. I'll protect you from evil, Tom. And he sees something over here with this young lady that's sitting on the front, the newly married young lady, Jayla, which most of you think are so perfect, but she is not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Charlie. I'm sorry to break the news to you. But there's something about under the surface there, God sees something. He says, that's real. I like that. I'll protect you from evil. He said in the Old Testament and New Testament, basically Old Testament, I read you before in Deuteronomy, if you'll do what I ask you to do and be, be, just, be, be just real and honest with me in secret. He said, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. Uh, no Islamic radical terrorist is going to come down this aisle and do anything to us without God's permission. And it could not necessarily even be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. You can't scare me with heaven. I think heaven's a better place. What about you? 
I heard of a place that's called heaven. Oh, I want to sing. I'll drive you out of here. God will protect you from evil based on what he sees on the inside more than what he sees on the outside. Man judgeth on the outward appearance, the Bible says, but God judgeth on the heart. That's it. The secret is be real with God, be honest with God, have integrity with God, like, and, and, and do, not do, do not try to get away with anything because he sees everything. Just do the right thing in secret. Be as real in secret as you are in the open. And I can guarantee you the God of the Bible, the God of the universe will protect you. He will be an enemy to your enemies. He will keep you from evil. Man, I need help. I need help. How many women has he kept me from? Oh, I can tell you by a few that bumped into me. How many traps have I been avoided in my life? Not that I saw them. I didn't see them. But God saw them. And he said, Bill, there's something in there. I know you have a hard time believing that. But there's something that you don't see. Now, you know, they can go the other way now. That's a whole other message, and I'm done. But if you're trying to be Mr. Christian on the outside, and you've got everything upright out where people can see, but you're rotten underneath, trust me, God Almighty is going to take care. He'll, he'll humble you. You know what he'll do? I'm just, gonna, I'm just speaking, you know, out of my own deal here. He'll go to the devil and say, you can have him. What do you do? If he'll do that to a righteous Job, how much would he do that to somebody that's mocking him by saying they're a Christian and living like the devil? How much more would he go to and say to the devil, go ahead. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Father, help us today. May the Spirit of the living God come and give us wisdom from heaven to understand the principles put out by the Word of God this morning. Pray that the Word of God would go forward in convicting power. If there be anybody without Christ Jesus in this room, and you know and you've done, just from what you know and what you can remember, you would not want to face God without some mercy and without some forgiveness, and you'll not receive it any other way but through His dear blessed Son. The Bible says, if, thou, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and Leave in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It's got to be real. You can't just mouth words. But those words are concepts. And those concepts need to be ingested and believed. And God will take that spark of belief and birth you into his family. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Are you there today? Do you know Jesus today? If somebody came up and asked you on a one to ten basis, what, how sure are you that you were saved? And man, if you're born again, you should say, I'm 100% sure. I'm, 10, I'm right at the 10. I'm 100% sure. If you're less than that, why don't we let us talk to you sometime? Explain the gospel in a few minutes with you. Father, move upon these dear people. Maybe there's Christians here that have been struggling 
They've been living dual lives, that double life that the devil tries to get us in. The devil knows what's going on. He tries to get you to sin in secret more than he tries to get you to sin outwardly. You've been caught in that secret trap. You're doing something you know is shaming to the name of Jesus, and he's convicting you hard. You know there'll be a time when his spirit will not strive with you anymore. He'll not convict you anymore. What a horrible day that'd be. But today is. Why don't you move on it? I'll be down here praying that you'll come. Take this moment to make an old-fashioned altar out of the front of the church here and say, God, help me. Come, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.